The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. As Doreen said, I'm Katie Griffin. I'm the pastor of Missions, Family, and Children's Ministry here at Highlands Church. And as always, it is a joy to be here with you uh, and and come upstairs for a little bit. (laughs) So Lyle has been taking us on a journey through our road trip series on the last four weeks. We've been going through this. And when he mentioned this at staff to all of us, that he was going to start this uh, series called Road Trip, we, I, it really led me back to a time, because we, we were talking about all the different road trips we've been on, and so we, it made me think about this time that we went on a road trip as a family, both and, um, back, and it, the road trip was a little bit of a long road trip. It started in Mascuda, Illinois, and it ended in Santa Maria, California. Now, something a little bit interesting about my road trip, it wasn't as a, um, in a normal uh, family car. It was actually in a Greyhound bus, and it was me, my mom, uh, my grandma, and my sister, and we were heading back over here to come live with my grandma, and as we were going, it was about day three, and about day three on the bus, many people around me began to uh, say, when is she going to stop talking? <laughs> I was about seven years old, and as many of you know me, I love to talk. And so nothing has changed from seven to now. So I was talking, 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 and uh, and people around me began to say, what can we do to get her to stop to talk just for a moment? And so they began to share ideas. And then one of the guys said, hey, how about this? I'll give you $5 of 15 minutes of silence. I was like, sounds like a good deal to me. So, So I took him up on it and I did 15 minutes of silence and while I was silent apparently I'd fallen asleep because once you stop talking you can actually stop and so I had uh, fell asleep and the entire bus while I was sleeping had offloaded and we'd pulled into I guess a diner area along the way and the whole bus had got off gone into the diner was eating breakfast (laughs) and I was asleep on the bus and so I was totally safe I was fine and I woke up and I'm like hey where's everybody at (laughs) and so I headed in and they're 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 all laughing at me like you were asleep we didn't want to disturb you no talking let us eat in peace So anyways, that's my journey on my road trip (laughs) from Miss Guda to here. So today I would like to talk to you about helping others along the way. Now you might be thinking, well, exactly what are you talking about, about helping others along the way? And so part of having, uh, being on a road trip requires us to have vision. And uh, of course, if we're driving a car, it'd be nice to have vision. (laughs) And so also vision, though, that is so clear that you're able to see the road, but not only see the road, but what about all the things that are happening alongside of the road or around the road? And so how many of you here today have a story like mine or have taken a long road trip? Maybe a show of hands. A couple, a few. All right, it's fun. (laughs) So how many times on that road trip have you ever stopped to help somebody along the way or have noticed someone in need? Today, our passage from the Bible comes from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 1 through 17, and it has to do with Peter and John. And Peter and John were on a road trip. 
Now, obviously, they weren't in a car because they didn't have cars then, but they were on foot, and they were on this incredible journey. And while they were on that incredible journey, they were able to see the hurt of one another and of, of others along that journey. And so if you'd like to follow along with me, you can grab your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 17, and we'll begin. It goes like this in verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, I want to stop here because it's interesting to keep in mind that this was the beginning of church. This is the early church that the church had just begun in the book of Acts. And so believers were still very much attached to the temple. In fact, if you go back to Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says that believers were meeting in the temple area on a daily basis. So it wasn't uncommon at this point to notice that Peter and John were going to the temple area to pray because they were still observing their um, Jewish religious customs. So if you go on to verse 2, it now says this, Now a crippled man from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. And that's exactly what that gate was. It was beautiful. It was made out of Corinthian brass. It was plated in gold and silver, and it wasn't just your average entry into a temple area. It actually stood about 75 foot high and 60 foot wide, so it was just amazing and gorgeous. It was one of the favorite entrances to the temple, and literally thousands of people would pass through there daily to go inside of the temple area. That is why we see the crippled man being put there. He knew exactly where the most people would be entering the temple during that day. The more people came through, the more money he made. And so the verse says, the crippled man was carried to the temple and placed there every, each and every day. From this, we could either gather that he had a group of friends who were so concerned about him and his welfare that this is what they did for him daily. They would go to his home, and they would place them on a mat, because that, that's how they would carry him on these long mats, and then they would carry him down into town and then place him right outside the temple gate. Or it has, it has been mentioned that perhaps these guys, some people did that in order just to make money, to make a profit. And so I would, or maybe just to take advantage of the situation, but I would, I would hope to believe, and I believed the first one, that he had very concerned friends that were taking care of him and bring him down there every, every day. So as I said, people were going in by the thousands to worship and to pray. And perhaps when they were doing this, they would, you know, stop by and they would just, they would feel a bit guilty or they would feel like, um, like they've had a real, a good week and they would make an offering or whatever it may be. And they would toss a coin or two onto the mats of these beggars outside of the gates. Now this is, this man was not expecting what he really needed at that moment. He was only expecting what he wanted, which were coins. But I believe his needs were about to be met because two men, Peter and John, had vision along the way. In verse 3, it continues, and it goes on to say this. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he did what he normally did. He asked them for money. And then Peter's reply was this. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. 
And then notice, whenever you see something in the Bible with an exclamation mark, it pretty means that he was yelling it out. So he wasn't just saying, hey, would you look at us? He was saying, look at us. So the man gave him his full attention, expecting to get something from them. Now, I think this wasn't the first time that Peter and John had seen this beggar at the gate. But something this day touched Peter's heart, and he stopped. Now, I said there's probably a large group of beggars at the gate that afternoon, but Peter only talked to this one. I find this interesting. I think that it was perhaps the Holy Spirit that tugged at his heart. And he gave this man his full attention. I like how the King James Version puts it. The King James Version reads this way. It says that Peter fastened his eyes upon him. Peter and John were fully present that day. They didn't pass him by. They didn't go around the other side of the gate. They didn't say, you know what, I'm going to be late. The temple, you know, it's starting, worship is starting, and I need to get in there. I don't have time for you. They didn't look away. They came near. I believe that God was with them. And when God is present, we begin to see people differently. To walk by sight is not enough for us, but to walk by faith in Christ means that we gain the capacity and willingness to see what really matters to the heart of God. Now, this reminds me, too, of a a story as Rick and I, my husband and I, were traveling along the 101, and we were coming up from Los Angeles, and we stopped pulled in at this gas station. And when we got to the gas station, my eyes were kind of just drawn to this family that was filling up with gas over to the side of where we had pulled up. And so I looked over to the family, and I noticed that the dad was standing near the pump, and I'm not sure what drew my eyes over there, but instantly I could see Rick looking over there too. And we both were like just drawn to this family. And then all of a sudden, we initiated a conversation with the gentleman that was filling up his gas. And he let us know he only had a few dollars, but in order for them to get home, he needed more, more money in order for them to go. And that's all he had. Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> right now you're thinking, sure, right. Is that really the story? But something inside of me at that point, inside of Rick at that point, we knew it was true. We just knew it. And we didn't even, we didn't even have a conversation. I just, from that, we looked at one another and I went inside and I just said, I don't know. I don't remember now. I was like, give him 30 or 40, I pump eight or whatever. And then it was like, we went back and we came back out and the guy, and we said, go ahead, fill up. And he's like, what, what? And then we're like, just go ahead and fill up and have a really good day. It was like instantly, we were, it was almost like Peter in that day, Peter and John at that day. It was like the Holy Spirit was just tugging in our hearts. And so, and then we, we, and so we drove away and they drove away. And what I learned from that is that I always want to live with my eyes wide open. I want to live with them so open that I catch what's out here. Not only what's in front of me, which is important, and we're on our journey to see what's in front of us, but what about my peripheral view? I want to be able to catch all those things alongside of my journey and alongside of the road. Now, if we head back to our story in the Bible, it says the beggar expected to get something from Peter and John. And most likely, his response was, give me money. That's what he was used to. 
People often think that money is the answer to their problem. But Peter and John said something totally opposite of what he was expecting. In verse 6, it states this, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And verse 7 goes on to say this, Taking him by the right hand, Peter helped him up off his feet, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Peter had the power of God with him. He had no money, but what he had, he was so much better. And this poor beggar's career, total life change. You see, the use of the name of Jesus is not a use of arrogance, but rather the use of the name of Jesus is a demonstration of the dependence that we are dependent on him, the one who clearly sees, the one who clearly sees all around us and sees the invisible. And the demonstration that day was so powerful, the lame man was healed. I believe Jesus has power alone, not only to do healing, but to completely change our lives. But Jesus needs us. He needs us as followers of Christ to be his hands and feet. And so Peter and John, along along their journey that day, they had a vision to see in their peripheral view. And in verse 8, it goes on, Then he, the crippled man, went out into, with them into the temple courts. Could you imagine? We don't know the age of this man here, but we do know that he was this way since birth. And for that, he began to walk and jump and praise God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They recognized him as the same man that he used to sit there begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And then they, too, began to be filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This man was no longer confined to live on a mat outside the temple. He now was like he was able to enter into the holy holy place and give due praise unto the Lord. Could you imagine if that happened to yourselves? I would be like, they probably couldn't hold me down. I'd probably be up and jumping and walking and praising God. And he was leaping into the air and he was full of joy. He was healed. And then it goes on to say in verse 11 through 16, it concludes to the onlookers. And it's, it's interesting here because I believe that Peter and John and, and with any preacher or pastor, they know when they have a captive audience, right? And so they had, so these people were standing in awe and amazement of what they'd just seen. And so Peter's like, aha, captive moment. And so I'm going to give him a little sermon. So he continues on here in verse 11 through 16 with this little sermonette. And it says this, why the beggar held on to Peter and John. And I love how the Bible just explains things in detail. <laughs> this guy is probably, you know, just going to hold on to your right hand. I'm going to be right here, Peter and John, as his knees are wobbling, you know, just to get used to using them. And all the people were astonished. And so they came running out to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he was like, opportunity. (laughs) And he said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? Is it if it's by our own power or godliness that we have made this man walk? Once again, Peter was taking focus off himself and placing it back on God. 
And he says, and he continues on to say this, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Woo! Peter was just letting him have it, wasn't he? <laughs> and he goes on here, and he finishes. He says, we are witnesses of this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has given this man complete healing. As now, and he concludes here, as you can all see. Three times in this passage, Peter references sight. I believe when we're reading a verse in the Bible and God tells us something over and over and over again, that he's trying to get our attention. He wants us to have vision that we see and that we clearly see. Peter and John wanted the, the people there to have the power of vision to truly understand and see that the same Christ that they had crucified was the same Christ that was healer that day, and by his name, he was healed. And I believe for us, now, looking back on it, that Christ was saying to each one of us that we too need to have vision to see. Now, there's some specific things that we can learn from Peter and John on that day, what they did, and how we can learn from it today as a church. The first thing is this. Peter and John were on a journey. And in order to be on a journey, you can't stay within four walls. You must get out into the community. See, they didn't wait for people just to meet them inside of the temple area. They went out on the journey to share Christ. And they not only went out on that journey, but they were present in their journey. They actually stopped when it meant, oh man, I'm probably going to be late. Temple worship's already begun. And I could be, how many of you are like that? Because I believe that we have opportunities around us daily. Daily. And they could look something sort of like this. You could be standing in line at the grocery store. And you know, I was in the line the other day at the grocery store. I was going to be late for girl. If anybody knows me, another thing about myself is I'm consistently late. And so, and so I was running late for girl talk at one of the schools. But I was in the line, and I noticed this gentleman in front of me was not too happy. And so I thought, opportunity, keeping my vision, peripheral vision open. So I said, how was your day, sir? And he says, not so good. Look at this line. I got to wait for another four people. This is supposed to be express lane. <laughs> and I said, and I go, oh, it's all right. It'll go fast. Hey, you have me to talk to. And he was like, jeez, you know. <laughs> and so him and I had this great conversation. We had this wonderful conversation. And it was just all, and it made the time go faster. Hopefully made his day better. I don't know. But I just wanted to share Christ. I didn't, I didn't, I, now I must tell you, I wasn't all, well, this, you need to believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord is your Savior, and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. It's just a smile and conversation. And perhaps that's all that we need to be. You know what I mean? That we need, when you're able to be able to be present in the lives of people, and you listen to them, and you care for them, 
See, when you give empathy, you're able to see beyond yourself. And that's what Christ was saying that day. Take your eyes off here and see the vision along the road that I have prepared for you. Each morning, I try to remember these things, and I, and I pray this. God, give me your eyes today to see how you see. Give me your ears today to hear how you hear. And give me your heart today, Lord, to love how you love. Now, when I say that, of course, I'm flesh, so I don't do that in perfection. Only Christ did when he was here. But I give it my best for Christ. And so this leads me to the second thing that we could learn from Peter and John, is that they were perceptive, and they responded to the hurt of one another. Peter and John noticed a need, and they took action. Now, as I was studying, uh, preparing this, I, in, our, in our own family, my family right now, my son, as you saw earlier, he is trying to pass his DMV provisional driving test. Anybody had the joy of making, having a teenager go through that moment? <laughs> anyway, so we've been working on that. And so he went to go take his test. We were all prepared, and I didn't want to be, like, looking over his shoulder, so I waited for him outside the DMV. Was I? I think I was outside at first. I was inside, and then I went outside, and then I went inside and outside. Anyway, so, and then he got done, and they handed him back his test, and I said, you driving home? And so I had the keys right here, and he's like, uh, no, Mom, just get in the car. <laughs> Let's just say the test didn't go so well that day. And so, um, so we were studying. So then I said, we said, we better go back and study. So they give you your sheet back and his red marks all the way through it. And so we're going over the questions. And I thought, whoa, this is a question that totally relates to what I'm speaking on. So I'd like to share with you the question. And it goes like this. When looking ahead of your vehicle while driving, you should... All right, you all ready for a quiz? <laughs> no asking your neighbor. All right, okay, stay ahead. Here we go. I'm going to read the question again and then give you, and you, all of your teens in the front, you better get this right. Okay, all right, here we go. When looking ahead of your vehicle ride driving, you should A, look straight ahead at all times, B, look only at the cars ahead of you, or C, scan your surroundings. Okay, shh, shh, Okay, <laughs> how many of you think it's A? You can just do this. <laughs> how many think it's B? Okay, and how many think it's C? Awesome, okay. So those who answered C, you are correct. Those of you who were answered A or B may not drive home today. <laughs> Stay here. So I thought, this is great. When you drive, right? You're already looking ahead, true, right? So they wanted to know, do you stare at the cars behind you? Or do you scan your surroundings? And so when I'm explaining this to Gunnar, he said, yeah, but mom, I wrote, I wrote A because aren't I supposed to just look ahead at all times? I don't want to take my eyes off the road. I said, well, that's true, it's true. But what about everything that's going on around you while you're driving? What about the people that pull out right in front of you or the ball that rolls in front of you or, you know, when you're driving or the many things that could be going on? That's what they want you to know. They know, they assume you're already looking ahead, <laughs> you know, and they already know that you're looking and they don't want you to be focused just on the cars 
that are, that are right there in front of you. Just like Christ wants us to keep our vision straight ahead, of course. And, you know, and sometimes we might have to be, um, what should I say here? We might have to put some things aside in order for us to see what's going on out here. So do not be too busy or too numb or too distracted to notice the needs of others around you. Perhaps all they need from you is your touch, your time, your smile, your, are you sure you're okay today? Or just being you, just being present with them. So the man at the gate became invisible to those who passed him by daily. But the Bible tells us this, that Peter looked straight at him as did John. You see, this message isn't just about seeing a beggar on the street. Remember, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have is Jesus Christ. What we do have is Jesus Christ. It goes way beyond riches and coins. It's about seeing, about seeing through a Christ-filtered lens to see the needs around us each and every day. I wonder how many people here right now this morning may have needs or might be hurting. But we're just so busy. We're even busy in church. We're busy, got to get in here and get back out. It's all good, you know. We're, like I said, we try <laughs> each and every day. But God says this to us. He calls us to live with our eyes wide open. To catch what is out here. To see the hurt of others. So Christ wants to readjust our vision so that we can see all that we can see. On this journey, I believe it is our choice. We can choose A and set our vision straight ahead. That's all right. But Christ calls us to do much more than that. We can just choose B and only focus on those things that are directly in front of us. And I'm sorry, I just don't have time for you. Or we can do the total opposite. And we can choose C. And we can scan our peripheral view while remaining on the road. (laughs) And by doing this, we will seek his compassion and his love for all. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that through you, we were were able to see that I know there's things in our life that really are real and that sometimes we just don't have time or we don't have the energy and maybe to be able to reach out to others. But Lord, I pray today that you would remove those things, Lord, and that you would fill each and every person here with your power and your spirit so that they would be able to gain a re-perspective and that they'd be able to put on a Christ-shaped lens that they are able to see beyond their periphery. I love you, I praise you, and I thank you. In Jesus' name.
This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.